Thanks to EQ Bank for sponsoring this episode of Explorify Canada. The EQ Bank Savings Plus account reimagines banking by offering an everyday 2.45% interest rate, plus the flexibility of a checking account, along with unlimited transactions, no everyday banking fees, no minimum balances, and fast, cheap, fully transparent international money transfers, and more, all from one account. Visit explorifycanada.ca slash eqbank to learn more. Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable to discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Explore FI Canada. Thanks for listening. We are here today to discuss some of the books that we really enjoy that are part of the journeys to financial independence and perhaps you're a retired early type person. So without further ado, the usual suspects are here. Money Mechanic from Victoria and from Ontario, our good friend Ryan. Hey, buddy. Good to have you here. And from just across the water in Vancouver, my other good friend, Chrissy. Hello. How's everyone doing today? Just well. All right. So we decided we've we've all been voracious readers of content in this space. And let's not kid ourselves. There is a ridiculous amount of literature out there and you can bury yourself in a million personal finance books. But the thing is, some of them speak to us more than others. And I think really today, we're just going to talk about a couple books each that we've read recently that maybe spoke to us and helped us on our FI journey. So one of the books I really wanted to start with was The Value of Simple, but I'm not going to. Oh, why not? (laughs) The plot thickens. John Robertson wrote that book, and I think it's super valuable for people that are just starting off in personal finance and getting their accounts set up and things like that. But I chose not to go with that book because I just read a couple books that spoke to me in my path to FI that are a bit different. They are a little bit of the beginning. They're a little bit of the psychology. There's a lot wrapped up in this. And I think with the literature that's out there, you need to find beyond just the pure numbers. So the first book I'm going to talk about is an old one. It's from 1997. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It took me till two months ago to read this book. And I really wish 20-year-old Money Mechanic had read this book. And it's not because I would have been able to understand or apply that back then. It just would have maybe given me the inspiration to, to, to work towards FI a lot sooner than I did. The thing I liked about this book the most is that he really doesn't go into a lot of numbers I think a lot of us in this space are too focused on the numbers. He talks about having assets and liabilities. The, the book's more about understanding what business is about. Yeah, one of the main themes is financial intelligence. And if you're asking yourself what financial intelligence is, it's the all-encompassing part of what our journey to FI or financial independence is. Your intelligence about money, about your spending, about your assets, about your liabilities, all these things are really important. And it's been said so many times to track our spending. And there's quite a few blogs that talk about running your personal finances as a business. And these are some very basic 
steps that we should all probably learn early on in the journey to enhance our financial intelligence as we move forward. What I found about this book was he talks about the psychology of success more than just the numbers about it. Sure, he goes into how he got rich in real estate and stocks and this and that. And really, that's not important. I don't think that's none of us are in the FI space for that reason. We want our freedom, but freedom has a cost. And the cost is learning how to understand how money works and use it as a tool to our advantage. What really resonated with me the most was probably because I relate my own experiences to the educated yet poor dad who has a fantastic work ethic and has a great job, but does everything according to quote-unquote societal norms. He goes through life following the status quo, hoping to retire at 65. And then the business dad has a totally different outlook on life and financial freedom and independence. And if you've never heard of having multiple income streams, this is what it's really all about. You need to find other ways to earn money than being a technician at your own job. And it spoke to me a lot because I've been a technician at my own job for a long time. And I realized that's not sustainable for true financial independence in the long run. I agree with everything you say about the book. It's it does feature all these topics that are really important for each of us to to learn. And now you make me want to reread the book to try to get more out of it because I I found it didn't speak to me the same way as it spoke to you. So it, it's great to hear someone else's point of view. You know, I don't think it would have spoke to me 20 years ago. And it, I th- it you know, it's interesting that all this literature that is out there, it, there's, it comes at a certain time and a, an important point where it does speak to you. Mm. And I felt the reason why I really like this book right now is because he talks a lot about entrepreneurship and business. And as I'm working through my journey to FI and realizing that I don't want to go to a nine to five job, but I also don't want to be RE, retired early with nothing to do. So for example, this podcast and other online businesses and things that are are starting and growing it's really nice to have that kind of motivation behind you when you go, oh yeah, this is actually how people generate wealth is not just going to work at 8 a.m. and coming home at 6 p.m. There's other ways to do it and it just helps you envision different ways. Yeah, and I think those are great lessons and I'm not sure why that I just didn't I don't know. I, I didn't find his message that compelling for me. Whereas all the things that you're saying, they speak to me in, and I understand them and I, I gravitate towards those messages. And I got a lot of that out of uh, The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss for some reason. They're, they're quite different books, but I got very similar messages from that book. And that spoke to me. But yeah, I, 
I find it interesting that Rich Dad Poor Dad is so well loved by so many people, but there are certain members of this audience, including me and and others, that I don't know. It just doesn't speak to us the same way, and I, I wish it did because it's such a classic book that a lot of people just love. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Chrissy. And and I read The Wealthy Barber for the first time last year as well. Like these are books that were written so long ago that have a classic message. And you're absolutely right. If if you're new in the FI space and you pick up this book, it may or may not speak to you. There's, there's definitely other literature out there. For me, it was like the accountant read it actually. And he goes, you need to read this because him and I talk a lot about uh, business opportunities and things like that. And we want to be away from our nine to five jobs. And, and I think that's one thing this book helps focus on is that there's a lot of opportunity out there being a business owner, an entrepreneur, trying going out on your own. And, and one thing that I really liked that I wanted to bring up that he talks a lot about in this book. And I think you guys will agree with me as you get a little more evolved in your FI journey, the psychology of happiness and money becomes more important than the actual, where do I put money into index funds? Right. And he talks a lot about winners and losers. And winners are not afraid of losing. And this is a quote. Winners are not afraid of losing, but losers are. Hmm. Failure is part of the process of success. People who avoid failure also avoid success. It's a pretty simple quote, but he examples in his book where he's been successful and he's been not afraid to fail. Again, like I said, I, I won't go into those specific examples because that's not applicable to my life. But the psychological message is, hey, it's okay if I fail at something. Learn from it. Move on. Mm-hmm. I find there are a lot of people in this space and maybe just as a general consensus across Canada that they need permission to take action or that they need permission to do something that is abnormal. I think to the fire crowd that speaks to us directly because we're doing something that is very abnormal, right? We're saving a high amount of our income to buy an independence and perhaps quit our jobs with our middle fingers up in the air. That's very abnormal. And you don't need permission from anybody to do it. Just do it. I, I have never read Robert's book, but I'm assuming that's what he's speaking to. And I like that. It's a good pick. Now, Chrissy, you mentioned the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Is that one of your picks? No, it's not. But <laughs> I, I, it is one of my favorite books. I, I read it mm, probably in 2004. I don't remember, but soon after it came out and I, like I said, I got a lot of the same messages out of it, like that you don't have to work a nine to five and you can create passive income. And that was just mind blowing for me. At the time, I had no idea of the potential of online businesses and I still don't really know how to capitalize on that, (laughs) but it was inspiring and it got me thinking about ways that all of us could generate income outside of a nine to five job. And it was, it was a great read. And I I think it's still a great read. So what is your book? (laughs) Well, I picked two books. um, And like you, I actually had an original book that I decided uh, not to uh, discuss on this episode. And it's a book I've mentioned many times before. It's a wealthy barber. Um, it had been years since I last read it, so I reread it, and I, I still love it. I still love the core concepts in it, but there, 
is a lot in it that is now outdated and may not be the most applicable to people on the fire journey. So I've decided to shelve that one for now and uh, revisit it another time. So I picked two books, uh, both by women, just by coincidence, but they just they're awesome books. So I picked them. Uh, the first one I picked is The Sassy Investor. And that is written by Michelle Hung. And I love this book just because it, it's so different. It, it's very female oriented. <laughs> it's pink and it's very pretty. Um, but it's not just the way it looks that attracted me. It's the content in it is just amazing. I, I find Michelle to be a very, uh, very conversational writer. And she's writing about what, what you referred to earlier as very dry a very dry topic. It's investing and personal finance. And that tends to be something that turns people off. Um, but she's, Michelle has found a way to write and uh, illustrate her points that is very easy to understand, very easy to digest. And what's also unique about this book is it's not just a book with a lot of text and chapters is actually a workbook where there are pages that you can actually fill in and color. And I argue that they're actually pretty enough that you could tear them out of the book. I think that the book is actually made that you can tear the pages out and you could post them uh, around your house just to give yourself inspiration as you're moving along uh, the journey in this workbook where she takes you from basic personal finance um, I'm trying to remember all the topics she covers, but I know she covers um, budgeting and sort of giving yourself a wish list of goals that you would like to hit, those kinds of things, which I, I think would be really helpful to just have visually represented and, you know, put them up in your space and you can look at them every day and, and make sure you're heading in the right direction with all your daily choices. Um, and, but she does actually go more in depth. She doesn't just skim the surface. She goes into investing uh, and actually even draws out. The, she, she has an illustrator that worked with her and, and the illustrations are fantastic. So it's worth checking out the book just for that. But she actually drew out the screen for placing an order for a stock or an ETF. And it's 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 funny to see it <laughs> drawn out in a cartoon kind of format, but it explains it perfectly. And I don't think I've ever understood how to place a trade as clearly as that, just the way that they've set it up. So yeah, there's th this book is just jam packed with lots of really great, useful info, info, but it's also really fun, really nice looking. And just, I think it would be really appealing to younger women in particular, but I think anybody, whether you're female or male, there's, there's lots of really great info in this book. Chrissy, on a scale mm -hmm. of one to 10, how sassy are the money mechanic and I, and should we be picking up this book? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sassy. As far as sa <laughs> sassiness, you win the, the trophy for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hands down. Yes. Y'all jelly? <laughs> you be sassy. <laughs> it honestly like as as pink and pretty as it is it honestly the info is useful to everybody it so if if pink doesn't appeal to you it's fine just look past that and read what michelle has written and you'll still get a lot from this book yeah sounds like a great book chrissy ryan do you want to introduce a book i'm going to introduce a book that I think everybody listening has heard before, but in case you haven't, it is The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. 
probably the most foundational book. Maybe it's definitely in the top three. You know, I don't know if it's ahead or behind um, Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robbins, but I've uh, yet to read that one for whatever reason. You can all harass me in the email. I know, I know, I know. For whatever, <laughs> for whatever reason, I haven't read like The Grandmother of Fire. But anyways. You're banned from podcasting until you've read that book. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> okay, guys, we are back recording. And wow, what a great read. No, The Simple Path to Wealth is awesome. Tell us more about it. Yeah, it's really for anybody that's interested in learning about financial independence, which is a lifestyle choice, and investing in the stock market, which is a financial choice. But really, you just need to make it a lifestyle choice, like leave the finance part out of it. And that's really who JL Collins is attempting to write to. He says in his book, and on his blog, that you that he is trying to cater to his daughter, who doesn't really want anything to do with finances. She wants to know what she's doing, but she doesn't really care. And so he's kind of giving her the too long didn't read gist of it, you know, like, just do this, you'll be fine. And that really speaks to the simplicity of the fire movement and what we're all chasing with this lifestyle, right? So um, when it comes to investing, it is, let me see how I want to term this. I think Canadians have been searching for our version of this advice, you know, at least the way it applies in practical terms, because he writes to Americans, he wants you to invest in your 401k and Roths and blah, 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 blah. And he wants you to buy VTSAX from Vanguard. None of that is applicable to us, unfortunately. We just can't do any of those things. We can't even buy the VTSAX mutual fund. We can. We have our options. And unfortunately, that's outside of the scope of, of what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode. But in my opinion, the exact reason you should pick up this book is for this exact quote. Toughen up cupcake and cure your bad behavior. <laughs> I really nice. like it because... Yeah, as anyone would know with J.L. Collins is that he really likes to slice through all the fat and he trims it all off. He points out to probably 99% of the dinner table, as he likes to say, and he can say, he says you can just push that all off the table because it just doesn't work for you. It doesn't actually do you anything. It'll just confuse you. It'll take a lot of time and you'll be worse off for it. So. I'd like to read just a few headlines for what I think I have his book right in front of me and what I think that people would really enjoy to hear. And if you've never read The Simple Path to Wealth, you'll find this really enlightening. And if you have heard it, you'll know that I've probably picked the most J.L. Collins-esque advice that he's given in the book. So number one, market crashes are expected. Number two, market always recovers. Number three, the market always goes up. Number four, the market is the single best performing investment class over time, bar none. Number five, the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years will have many, many collapses and recessions and disasters for the market. Number six, if you toughen up and learn to ignore the noise and ride out the storm, adding still more of your money to the investments is a good thing. Number seven, be strong enough to stay the course and you will know that these bad things are coming, not only intellectually, but on an emotional level as well. Number eight. There is a market crash coming to you, and there'll be another one after that. What wonderful opportunities of buying they will be. That is why I love JL Collins, because he really just puts it out there, very vanilla to you. Like, if you look at a graph, you could probably discern this yourself, but to understand it on an emotional level that he describes to you and that he describes to his daughter, 
is the reason why everybody should be picking up this book. In my opinion, it is one of the top three books that you should be reading. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I don't have much to disagree with that. I mean, as a society, we're the only people or the Western society, we we run to Best Buy when there's a sale on, but we run away from the stock market when there's a recession or a quote unquote sale on. And I think this book does a great job of that. I, I love that book as well. And I think you can really read through the US side of that book because it's pretty easy. Chrissy's done a great job on her blog and there's other ways out there to learn what a 401k means to us as Canadians. And and the underlying message is fantastic in that book. Mm-hmm. I love that book. I loved his stock series. And I was so excited when he uh, transferred it into book format because it just puts it all together in a logical order. And it's so easy to read. And I recommend it to everyone who's starting to learn about investing. E- even though it's a US writer written for a US audience, like you said, there is so much that is still applicable to Canadians, and it's not hard to translate the U.S. accounts and U.S. terms into Canadian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My second book is going to do pretty much just that, but I'm going to wait to describe that later on in the episode. If people want to hear more about JL Collins, I just have a few resources that they can check out in the show notes. Um, he does a great Google Talk. Uh, you can just Google or YouTube JL Collins Google Talk, and you can hear him talk about it. He, uh, he's interviewed by someone who went to Chautauqua, which is a financial uh, seminar. Well, not seminar. It's just like a vacation slash meeting that you can go to. He also has his blog at jlcollinsnh.com, and you can just click on the stock series. That's what Chrissy was mentioning before. You can basically read the book in blog format, but it's not at all well edited compared to the book. And uh, otherwise, just, yeah, grab it from the library. That's what I did. <laughs> I requested that my library buy it. And what always surprises me is every time I put a request in to purchase a an FI book, there's always three or four requests that come right after I place my request. So there's clearly a, a community out there that is interested in FI. They're just they're just hidden. This is probably a good time to take a quick break and come back with the second half of our books. Hey guys. I think you've heard of EQ Bank before. Of course, we're all customers. Yeah, happy customers. I love using their EQ Bank Savings Plus account as an all-in-one checking and savings account. A savings account that offers an everyday 2.45% interest rate with no everyday banking fees plus no minimum account balances? Count me in. Right? And I've already used TransferWise, who they're now partnered with. You can send international money transfers for a fully transparent fee that are up to eight times cheaper all from your EQ Bank Savings Plus account. Canadians on the path to FI will love the simplicity of EQ Bank. To find out more, head to exploreficanada.ca forward slash EQ Bank. All right, so I had to go deep down into the Money Mechanic bookshelf, and I really thought hard about my second book because there's just so much good stuff out there. But I did choose a new one, and I am going to shout this out and support one of my hometown guys, Robinson Smith, Master Your Mortgage for Financial Freedom. And if you don't recognize that title, it's because the book just came out in late 2019, and it is The Smith Maneuver. We all want to learn more about this. Go pick up this book. It's brand new, and I'm shamefully promoting it, and I'm not getting any kickbacks, but I sure hope he brings some beer over when I interview him. So, 
he, he rewrote his father's original book, which was Fraser Smith, right? The Smith Maneuver that came out a long time ago. And I think I'm not going to go into the super details of what this is because most of us in this space know what it is, but I am going to read this. The Smith Maneuver is a creative legal financial strategy designed for Canadian homeowners to convert the non-deductible debt of a house mortgage to the deductible debt of an investment loan. This simultaneously ensures the elimination of your non-deductible mortgage in record time while building a free and clear non-registered, quote, personal pension plan and enjoying substantial tax refunds each year for years to come. Your mortgage will melt away as fast as your investment portfolio grows. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? I love it. I'm salivating. I think this book, the reason I chose it is because I think everybody's been waiting for a little bit of updated content on this strategy. And let's be very clear. It's a strategy and it's not for everyone. And you really need to understand what you're doing with this. And it's like anything in personal finance or FI. It's about having the dedication, the perseverance, and the mindset to continue with it over a long period of time that makes the difference. And he does go into some new ideas that weren't in the original book about having some accelerators. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because you need to go pick up the book and read it. But there's ways that you can really, instead of for those that don't understand the Smith maneuver is taking principal pay down on your mortgage and applying it to a investment And it it can just be an index fund. I know there's always a lot of discussion about, well, it should be a dividend stock. Should it be this? Should it be that? It doesn't matter. The point is your portfolio over a long period of time will outgrow the cost of your mortgage that is non-tax deductible. And I know that sounds very simplistic. And I know that we're making assumptions, but so is JL Collins in his book saying the market always goes up. So, you know, it is what it is, but I know there's a lot of interest out there and there is a book, so go out and read it. And I enjoyed reading it and I'm actually lucky to have it in front of me because there's been a few requests to borrow it from me. And uh, Kevin, who talked about uh, real estate loans with me on on, on my other show, he takes a picture of everybody he lends a book to. And this is a great idea because I am definitely missing a few books. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great idea. I. I need to do that too. <laughs> I have also lost some books along the way. I am so excited to read this book because I read the original written by uh, Fraser, who is Robinson's dad. And it was a short, tiny little book, but it was so packed with a lot of very detailed info. And I got a little lost along the way. It's it's quite technical, even though it's written in a very easy to understand language. It, it got a little too into the weeds with some of the, is it boosters? That is that what he calls them? He does in the original. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. And I think Robinson did a great job in the second book, making it much more readable. And he gives a lot more um, examples that we can, most of us can probably relate to. They're not FI specific by any Mm -hmm. means, but you're right. The the original book was fantastic, but yeah, it was technical. Mm Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Robinson's done. And, you know, it's been a long time since his dad wrote the book. So he, I'm, I'm sure Robinson's had a lot of time to think about it and consider, based on audience feedback, what changes would be would make it more reader friendly. So, yeah, that's definitely going on my list. Okay, Chrissy, I think you have a very familiar book to us. Mm-hmm. I just want to say before I go into it that I picked this book because I genuinely do love it. It's not because these are former guests of ours. <laughs> and the book I picked... Self-promotion. <laughs> it's uh, Quit Like a Millionaire. I I genuinely love the book. And the reason why I, it came to mind for this episode is because I recently was asked by my sister, she's part of a book club, and she wanted to recommend some books to her group that would, would, would touch on fire, but wouldn't turn people off. So a couple of, of the books I put forward, which were Playing With Fire and Quit Like a Millionaire, we we discussed and she, my sister actually skimmed through the book and I think she watched the documentary and she decided that that may have been too far out there uh, based on, on the Rickens story that it, it might turn people off. So she shied away from that, even though she she and I both agree the book was excellent and we both love the documentary. We we felt like that might be a bit too far and jumping into the deep end for people who have never heard of fire and have just no concept of it. It, it might do the opposite and make them run away. So I, I said, well, what about Quit Like a Millionaire? And because I have not come across a single negative review of that book other than people saying that it's not Canadian enough. And uh, I kind of agree with that, but I haven't heard anyone say this is, crazy this is ridiculous doesn't make sense it i've only heard good things about it and that people have said it's changed their life it's changed their financial journey so i think it's a great book i i read it myself before i read any reviews and i loved it and i would happily read it again there aren't many books that i would read more than once but this was definitely a good read it's packed full of info but it's also such a great story i love that Christy wove her story about growing up in China into the book. And and that's what makes it really approachable to me because she came from poverty and she came from a family that was were immigrants to Canada and they started with basically nothing. And that, that, that also resonates with me because that's similar to what I grew up with. Um, my parents weren't in poverty and I was born in Canada, but I had immigrant parents and they started from nothing and worked their way up. So I can see how it's possible to reach FI, even if you come from humble up and a humble upbringing. So that really appealed to me. But more than that, it's just a great book. There's a lot of technical info that's conveyed in a very easy to understand and conversational way. So that's that's my second pick. It it's a great book. You know, I really love that book as well. I listened to it twice uh, on Audible, and I think my favorite part about it was where they're responding to criticism of them not having children and being able to save up a bunch of money and travel the world and see their investments grow rather than shrink. And as much as I love to learn about the world schooling, as they call it, which is for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's basically homeschooling, except the world is your home, pretty much how they term it anyways. And so you just travel around with your kids and just teach them homeschool style, but just in different countries at a time. Anyways, they decided that it wasn't fair for them to write about parenting and financial independence because they hadn't had any kids. So they brought on 
uh, three experts to really just trounce the numbers. And that was by far one of my favorite parts about it, just because raising a kid is deemed to be so expensive. And I've never felt that, uh, not with my 20 month old daughter. And I see what people spend their money on. And it's like, well, no wonder your kid's so expensive, right? You keep <laughs> dropping a thousand dollars in toys every month on them. <laughs> That's why they're so expensive. Right. But I've never felt that. And I love that, that they decided to just step away and let the other experts and gurus in our, in our movement be able to address that. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we got to interview them and that they wrote this book because to be honest, I wasn't a follower of their blog, not consistently prior to this. I, I think because they're millennials and I'm not a millennial, I, I just figured their message wouldn't uh, be applicable to me, but I've since become quite a fan of theirs and especially actually I really appreciate their recent post. I think it, it was uh, a look back on 2019 and they spoke about, and I, I hadn't heard them mention this before, but they actually break their portfolio into two, whereas there's one portfolio that they live off of, is that is their pre-FI portfolio, and then they have a second portfolio that they use for, I think, donations and just kind of the, maybe the blog expenses, things like that, and that is their post-FI earnings, you know, anything they earned from their book or their blog that came after they retired, that is just sort of side earning and then th they don't count that in the calculations they share with their readers and I thought that was extremely transparent and it really helps to lay to rest the argument that people say oh you know they're retired just because they uh, started a blog or they wrote a book and they hit it big so I, I appreciate that there's a lot of transparency in what they put out there and I thank them for doing that and uh, it's inspiring for us Canadians to see that it's possible in, in Canada. So my second recommendation is Beat the Bank, which is by Larry Bates. And I'm going to say right off the bat that I absolutely hate the title of this book. I think it sounds so clickbaity and <laughs> to make matters worse, there's a freaking pig piggy bank cartoon winking at you on the front of the book. <laughs> it sounds like a get rich quick scheme, doesn't it? <laughs> In reality, this book is fantastic. And in my opinion, it's a superb follow-up to The Simple Path to Wealth because it, it goes where Jail Collins doesn't go, which is the practical Canadianness of what to do in Canada to buy index ETFs. So he repeats a lot of the same indexing advice as Jail Collins. But as somebody who worked for the big banks all his life, this is Larry Bates I'm talking about, I have to give him massive street cred because I imagine he lost a lot of friends or colleagues or a lot of dinner party invites by exposing the plain vanilla mutual fund industry that is closet indexing. Because really, that's what they do, right? They just copy a lot of what everybody's doing over and over again. And then they slap on these huge mutual fund fees. And Larry Bates goes right into detail about how that's uh, so insidious to your future gains. So I do have a few stats for you guys if you'd like to... Uh, bear with me because I think it just goes to show uh, exactly what this book can do for you. So if you haven't read it already, hopefully this will convince you. You guys ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So throughout the book, he makes often, he often compares to real life examples of mutual funds and anything like that. Right. So I chose one by random and I chose the RBC select conservative portfolio, which I think is one of the biggest ones in Canada. So this has an MER of 1.84% but a true fee of 
Yikes. So how can this be, right? That doesn't make any sense. The fee is 1.84, isn't it? And this is what the book is going to walk you through. And that's what I'm going to take you through right now. That's because the MER is compounding along with your returns, regardless of whether or not you make any money from the stock market. So whether or not it goes up or down, that 1.84% keeps compounding, right? So these are the astronomical fees of Old Bay Street, which refers to super high MER fees out there. You cannot afford these fees because if you want to retire earlier rather than later, your portfolio gains need to improve in value much more so than the 32% drag you're experiencing. So I went to Larry's website at larrybates.ca and I plugged in the specs of that RBC mutual fund he mentioned before. I started out with 200k and I averaged market returns at 7%, plugged in the posted MER of 1.84% and I didn't touch it for 10 years. And what happened? I had a gain of $193,000, but I paid $62,000 for the mutual fund manager to simply match the market. Remember, I'm just choosing an average of 7%, right? So my actual return was only $130,000 because I paid someone else to sit in an office tower and pretend to be smarter than the market. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's (laughs) painful. Painful to hear. It gets worse. Oh, it gets better, actually, (laughs) is what I'm going to say. Because I did the exact same scenario, except I took Vanguard's equivalent of the RBC Select Conservative Mutual Fund. So this would be their all-in-one asset allocation fund, which is uh, VCNS, which is their Vanguard Conservative Uh, asset allocation fund and it has the exact same stock to bond ratio which is 40 percent stocks and 60 percent bonds exact same thing as the rbc mutual fund except you know i'm sure there's difference in underlying holdings but for the most part i think it's a fair comparison because they're both addressing the broader stock and bond markets at the same ratios so using the exact same inputs as what i just mentioned before except for the mer which i reduced to 0.25 percent which is what vanguard is charging your index fund still gains $193,000 because you have the exact same return, but instead of paying $63,000 in fees, you now only pay $9,000 in fees. So whereas you only kept 68% of the gains with RBC that resulted in $130,000 of a gain, you now get to keep 95% of your your gains with Vanguard, which is a gain of $184,000. Isn't that incredible? Whoa. (laughs) And I think that you're portraying a great example there and going to his website he does it in a graph where you can see it and it's, he calls it the t-rex score and you can visually plug in those very simple numbers and go wow mm-hmm. now remember you're not losing money for what you've initially invested like that 200k didn't just suddenly disappear but it's your gains it's the point that you're investing in the first place that's why you're taking the risk it's why you'll never see that 200 grand because you have it investing to make you more money and that's where the banks come in and say well, I'm going to take 32%, even though they only advertise that they're going to take 1.84%. And they've gone to great lengths through lobbyists and what have you to make sure that you never truly understand the fee. And that's what Larry, through his 30 plus years of insider knowledge in the banking system, is pointing out to you in his book, Beat the Bank. That's why I love it so much. So he does go into a lot more detail. He describes some DIY and assemble it yourself portfolios like the Vanguard, iShares, BMO asset allocation funds. Again, that's beyond the scope of today's episode. So unfortunately, I'm going to leave it there. But I do really recommend the book. And I think that if you read it in sequence, my recommendations in sequence, so you start with The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, and then you go into Larry Bates, Beat the Bank, you're going to... Uh, quench the thirst for Canadian knowledge. Because once you read J.L. Collins, you're like, okay, what's the Canada? Like, what can I do here? Right. And then beat the bank is going to completely walk that through for you. And the fact that you get to read the same 
content, but in a different way in terms of the passive indexing twice, I think is also just, it's just good for your psychology because it's really just ingraining in you that you are not better than the market. Your best chance of outperforming is to be average. That's kind of an oxymoron, but it's very, very relevant. And if anyone wants to hear more about Larry Bates, you can definitely head to his website. Uh, Money Mechanic just mentioned the T-Rex scoring calculator is on LarryBates.ca, where you can see all of it for yourself. Or you can go to the Canadian Couch Potato podcast because uh, he has episode 19, The Big Trade-Off with Larry Bates. And I highly recommend you check that out. You can hear him talk to Dan Bordelotti himself. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this book. I read it early 2019 when it came out. And everything you said holds holds true Ryan and and one of the things i really like that he brings up in the book is that there's there's wealth builders and wealth killers and he talks about this a few times in the book and your wealth builders are the amount you save the time it has to compound and the rate of return and your wealth killers are fees taxes and inflation mm-hmm. and we need to be conscious of those things and think about them and this is what all of us on this path to FI are about is optimizing the builders and minimizing the killers, right? So it, it is a great book. And yeah, I, I second your endorsement of it. So I have not read this book and I have to tell you why. I agree with Ryan that the title put me <laughs> off <laughs> because I assumed based on the title that this was a basic personal finance book about banking and <laughs> just how to manage your money, not that it went into investing and fees and that it was as Canadian as it was. So yeah, for different reasons, I agree that the title didn't do it justice. And the fact that the cover is a piggy bank also makes me think it's just about basic money, you know, money management. So I am very encouraged to hear what you've said about the book, and I'm definitely going to read it sometime soon. Mm -hmm. I recommend it wholeheartedly. And uh, I also like to just read just a little quote that he has in in the book because he has all these cheeky little quotes everywhere. So he has this under the subtitle, brilliant stock pickers. The only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look more respectable. (laughs) (laughs) If if you want to know what kind of book this is, that should pretty much sum it up for you, right? Yeah. That's by uh, John Kenneth, by the way. That wasn't his quote. He wrote that in there. There's just so much out there. And for anybody that's interested, there's there's still a bunch of books we could probably say that are better beginner books or more advanced books or better investing books or, you know, there's just so much out there. This is just scratching the surface of stuff that we, that we found interesting. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of honorable mentions that we can just list out, right? I mean, Playing With Fire, Chrissy mentioned, The Wealthy Barber again was mentioned, but there's also Choose a Five, there's uh, the value of simple, right? There's, oh, did you talk about, you talked about the rat value of simple, right? Or no, no, you didn't, you didn't. No, just quickly. But I mean, Wealthing Like Rabbits is a very Canadian content mm-hmm. book too. And it's a great yeah. starting place for a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Millionaire Teacher is another Canadian. Oh, book Andrew Hallam, right? Awesome. That was probably a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm reading Preet Banerjee right now. Stop overthinking your money. There, there's so much mm-hmm. content out there. It, it's really fantastic. And for anybody that's listened to this, just pick up a book. I mean, do yourself a favor and pick up something and and expand your financial intelligence, as Robert Kiyosaki says. Yeah. 
you know what I did when I was starting my fire journey? I would just go to whichever library I happened to be at, find the personal finance section and just look on the shelf and just grab three or four books that looked interesting and took them home. And some of them I loved and some of them I didn't like so much, but it helped me to branch out from the books that everyone was talking about. Cause there are some books that aren't as well known that really, really resonated with me. So I suggest everyone try to do that. And if you like buying books, then go to the bookstore and do the same thing. Find the personal finance section and just grab a few books off the shelf and try them out. I love it. I love it. We're also going to have our books on our website in the show notes that you can uh, click on and order through the Amazon store. But we really hope that we get zero commissions from that because we want to see you all get it from the library or check out the blogs that have it for free. <laughs> I'm a big fan of secondhand bookstores and both books that are in front of me. Well, not Robinson's. I bought that brand new, but I, I'm a big fan of secondhand books. And I'm actually really enjoying making my own FI bookshelf, which I love having because I love being able to lend these books out to people that are interested. Mm-hmm. So definitely reuse, uh, go to the library. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody else has any other suggestions for us, feel free to contact us or comment on our show notes, right? We'd love to hear from you. We kept it strictly personal finance, but I think there's other books in this space that could really help people. I think Atomic Habits come to mind or Digital Minimalism is another big one. Yeah, that's James Clear's book is also very high on my list. I I seem to always have like a five book backlog that I'm trying to get to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're coming out faster than you can read them. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you've discovered some new books through this episode uh, that we've shared. And I hope that you can join in the conversation in our show notes and share some books that you found helpful. We, we love hearing from you. So please message us, a comment, uh, share the show, whatever you can do to, to communicate with us. We, we love hearing from you. So go and do that. And hopefully we will discover some new books from you too. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.